0: Hey, it's Jason here. A quick and very important announcement before we get into today's show. Our guest is Jackie Kuntz, who up until recently was living in Sudan. And you may have seen in the news, there is fighting between the SAF and the RSF, and civilians are caught in the middle. It's been a terrible situation. You can learn more about it at eyesonsudan.net, which I'll link up to. And Jackie is posting... A lot of resources, fundraisers, uh, resources where you can learn more, pages to follow, hashtags to follow, and so on. And that way you are able to help out if you are so inclined. So I thought it would be good to get this episode out here now so we could bring attention to these resources and awareness to this situation. And if you follow Jackie on Instagram, we'll link up to that in the show notes as well. She is continuing to update resources and provide helpful news on how you can help. So I just wanted to give you some context for this episode, which again was recorded prior to this situation in Sudan. But now we can put it out there and give you an opportunity to learn more and help out. Thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. So, and I
1: realized too, like if... If I stayed in that job, I could be happy probably forever, just comfortable enough. Like I made enough money where I could have the things I needed. And so it was kind of like, this is my chance. Do I leave or stay here forever? So I booked a ticket to Sudan like any normal person would. I'd always wanted to be somewhere different or do something different, like reading books or watching movies as a kid and dreaming about these faraway places. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is my chance at kind of living that
0: kind of life. That is today's guest, Jackie Kuntz, who has certainly been living up to her own promise to live that kind of life. Jackie was the first female traveler to travel independently through Afghanistan after the Taliban regained control of the country. You'll hear about her toughest, most upsetting moment during that trip, along with some other stories from the ground like this one.
1: We were sitting in a cafe in Kabul, having, I think it was like a Turkish style cafe and, you know, beautiful place, grass sitting. These Taliban guys come in. One's got a bazooka, just kind of flings it onto the table. And my travel companion freaked out. He's like, this is not okay. This is
0: not okay. Jackie also lives in Sudan as an expat. She has been living there for years So we get to hear what daily life is like there. And the reason behind why she chose Sudan as the place to live, which is a moment and a chance encounter that really changed the course of her life and caused her to leave her job and choose Sudan to live. So you hear how that all happened. And she's been hitchhiking through Iraq. So we get to hear some of her perspectives from her time there And a bit about the hilarious worldwide quest she is on. Hint, it involves tacos. All of that coming in the interview segment and much more. Plus, I want to give a shout out to a listener who reminded me that living a life of travel really comes down to this one word. And I'm going to share that and remind you of that word if you're curious. Plus, I'll leave you with a quote to wrap everything up. And it's all happening right now in today's episode. So buckle up. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. As you heard at the top, today's guest certainly filling her life with travel, and I was so excited to be able to meet her in person and to have her share her... Vast experience traveling in so many different places, almost a hundred countries now, and you might be wondering, as I was, why is she going to some of the world 's most dangerous places? What is the motivator behind that you 're going to hear her answer for that, and it 's always a joy to get to hear about experiences from the ground in countries that I may never have a chance to visit, and out of that comes a lot of different interesting discussions and tangents, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation so Let's get into it now. Stick around on the back end if you'd like to hear that one word that can drive a life of travel. This is coming from an email I got from a listener, and it's just a reminder for me. I wanted to share it with you. Stick around for that. I'll also leave you with a quote to wrap things up. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. I did just want to say that your presence here is truly appreciated and... Thank you for joining me today. Now, please enjoy the conversation with Jackie, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Is this your regular podcast voice? Uh, it might be. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Call 1-900-PODCASTS. <laughs> Did you get that joke? Is that uh, No, it's too old. That's an old there used to be these nine hundred numbers. I've of heard things. of these okay. things. Yes, yes. yes I
1: am not. I'm not that young. See, we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when someone tells me about cassettes, and I'm like, yes, I remember these. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you have any cassettes? I did have did cassettes. You? Yes,
1: I am old enough to have cassettes. Did you
0: ever make a mixtape for somebody or receive a mixtape from somebody?
1: um yes and i used to record them all the time off the radio so you know you'd wait until like your favorite song came on and quickly have to push like play and record at the same time okay yes. now you're speaking my language yes yes i remember these days
0: because yes well i mean not to date myself but you are of a uh, uh, of would you say the generation below me i don't know that sounds like condescending I am a millennial. <laughs> You're a millennial. <laughs> <With> a millennial, <laughs> all the problems we have caused. And I, I'm a Gen Xer, so I no, I hate. I talked about this on on the podcast before. Just like these sweeping generalizations that people mm. make about generations. Yeah, it's like those damn millennials do this, that, or that, or Gen Xers are
1: late. You know, it's like. Well, we've destroyed the housing market because we buy so much avocado toast.
0: I think that's that the, <laughs> I think that's what we're up to. <laughs> according to BuzzFeed? <laughs> yes, according to various BuzzFeed quizzes, actually. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I should say, Jackie Kuntz, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Oh, thank you. Let's high five it. We're going to have some fun. I didn't know you until two weeks ago. This I is guess. true. We're in person. Yes. We should describe the scene. I'll let you describe the scene. I like to do that when I do in-person interviews because I don't do them often, unfortunately.
1: Well, you had me meet you in a bar at yeah. uh, 11 well, a.m. We're not drinking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a coffee bar here. <laughs> well, we are going out to lunch later. We'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, we're in, uh, we're in Oslo. I'm excited to chat with you because when our mutual friend... Gunnar Garfors and friend of the show. You guys met recently and you're here visiting yeah. and you're visiting Norway from Sudan, where mm-hmm. you live.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. The best time of year, it seems to. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, I have a ton of questions for you about life in Sudan and, and how you got there and everything. I'm wondering how you're finding Norway as a, as a country. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're counting how many countries you've been to or not, but I mean, you've been, just to give people some context, you've been a lot of places.
1: Yeah, I'm just shy of a hundred now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Norway, what are your thoughts, impressions? A lot of
1: rules. A lot
0: of rules? (laughs) A lot of
1: rules, it seems. Are you
0: a rule breaker?
1: Oh Well, I don't know. I'm not used to this, like, crosswalk thing. Like, you have to cross, (laughs) like, in certain areas of the street. I don't know. I'm used to just kind of wandering around and... Yeah, but no, very cold. You mean it's organized? It's very okay. I guess that's another word for it. <laughs> another way to phrase that. <laughs> no. so, beautiful, beautiful place. Very yeah. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm noticing that.
0: How long have you been here now? Uh, about
1: a month. So okay. it's actually it's my second time that's, in Norway. That's
0: quality time.
1: Yeah. So it's it's taking a hit on my uh, bank account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, out of the other countries you visited and things like. I guess places you've been country-wise, do you, have you spent a month or more in a lot of places?
1: Yeah, actually in a few places. Um, I've spent a month in Eritrea. I've spent two months in Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia. I'm quite slow. Azerbaijan.
0: Yeah. You, know. you like to travel slow.
1: Yes. Yeah. I like to linger and see if I could live in the place, rent an Airbnb, pretend I'm a local.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the kind of the ultimate traveler fantasy i feel that's one of the traveler fantasies that i think most travelers have is i wonder if i could live here Mm -hmm. when you're walking through a place Mm -hmm. and you just start asking yourself that question and then you really i think travelers tend to take that as a thought experiment gone too far right you're like no really like and and then you see you you know you have the rose-tinted version of what it'd be like to live there and then you have to get past that to see what it'd actually be like to live there yeah 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 But, I mean, you find yourself having that fantasy in places?
1: Yeah, quite often, actually. Yeah, I try to, like, find my local spot. And, like, yeah, this is where I'd hang out.
0: Like, the bartender would know my name. Right. (laughs) And then you have to get the bartender to know your name. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm like, hi, I'm Jackie. Could you uh, (laughs) call me by name from now on, please?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, out of the places you've spent a lot of quality time, which places have you really enjoyed?
1: I usually like everywhere um, that I go. Azerbaijan, for some reason, is a place that I routinely return to. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, if I'm looking for a place that's very familiar with no pressure to go and see everything, because I've already seen most of the big sites, I guess, yeah. in the country. So I'll just go and hang out and Why? in cafes, why, why? Why there? Because it's weird. It's a very weird place. It's a strange crossroads of you can feel like the European vibe yeah. to it, but at the same time like it's still got that like conservative like Islamic culture and you can see kind of the influence from the East as yeah. well into It's just a strange crossroad of places that you kinda don't find other hmm. in other countries. So I really like it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you like to linger in places that are weird. Weird or strange. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Is that that's a like a real tendency? Yeah, in, in yeah. yeah,
1: When I tell people, they're like, "Oh, what are your favorite countries?" I'm like, "Well, I really like Azerbaijan," and I get that look. Like, <laughs> why?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what attracts you to places that feel is strange, right? Or just like very foreign in different ways compared to?
1: Yeah, some it's the people usually too. That kind of depends, like how open the people are to sharing their culture and stuff with you, I think. So like I find the Azeris to be very proud of their culture, but it's really strange. So if you go outside of Baku, so I've driven around like the south of the country and it's a thing there just for men to hang out in the street at night in the dark. So you see it all over the south of the country, driving around, just a guy hanging out. I call them street men. Really?
0: Yes. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) I have no explanation for it, but it's everywhere in the country. So
1: somehow they all got together and decided, like, if we have nothing to do, (laughs) this is what we will be doing.
0: Yeah. And that's essentially loitering in the dark. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes.
1: No (laughs) streetlights. It's cold out and they're just hanging out in the street.
0: So as a solo traveler, you're kind of like, eh... Should should I stop? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's good to know that that's a cultural thing (laughs) and not just like, you know, somebody waiting to...
1: Pounce? (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, another thing I want to talk to you about today is you kind of did a talk about traveling safely through Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. right? At a recent conference?
1: Yeah. I spoke at the Extraordinary Travel Festival um, in Armenia, Yerevan, um, in October. Why did you give that talk? Primarily because I was asked to. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I I went to Afghanistan in June. Um, So and I was the first woman that traveled independently in the country since the Taliban takeover. Really? Uh, Yes. Uh So it's gotten a little bit of attention from that. And a lot of people reaching out to me asking for advice, how to do it, what my experience was. Um, So some of the organizers of the festival asked me if I would come and speak about it because I have gotten a lot of questions. So it seems to be something that people were interested in.
0: What were some of the key points from the from the talk that you wanted to kind of share with people? Don't do it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really?
1: Um, yeah. So um, as a woman, I found it quite difficult to travel around without a fixer or a guide because I didn't have that extra layer between me and the Taliban. And they do have certain feelings about women. So it wasn't really the easiest to go out on my own, manage getting through checkpoints. And I was traveling with a male friend of mine um, for most of it. Um, And he found it to be very, very stressful as well, because they all saw him as responsible for me. And then at the same time, he was very nervous by the amount of weapons being pointed in his face, the amount of checkpoints we were stopped at. They would just dig through all of our stuff, take pictures of everything, question us, why are you here? But I think it's getting easier as time goes to travel in Afghanistan because they're getting used to seeing more and more, I want to say tourists, but it's really a certain type of tourist that's... It's traveling around Afghanistan right now, but more are going. So the Taliban are adjusting to, yeah, yeah, understanding that people are coming. what do you answer in
0: those situations when they're like, what do you, why are you here? What are you doing here? I'm an
1: American tourist. It's my default anywhere in the world. If I'm doing something I should not be doing, I'm like, oh, I'm an American tourist. And then most people react like, oh, God, like, okay, another one of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a little more common around, say, the Eiffel Tower. Yes, yes, yeah, maybe, maybe. uh, In the southern part of Afghanistan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would usually take a few phone calls to find somebody that spoke English well enough so we could explain, like, oh we're just travelers coming through we wanted to see like the beauty of afghanistan because usually we'd get a lot of confused looks.
2: Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, so. and
1: every single checkpoint wants a different kind of permit. We didn't have any permits. We didn't know how to get permits. Some of these permits I don't even think existed. So eventually they'd always let us through, but we'd show them our visas and our passports, and they have no idea what that even is. They're like, what is this that you're showing us? Yeah. Like, it's a visa to your country. And they're like, what is this? Yeah. So, I mean, because I mean, most of the Taliban that are manning these checkpoints, they're just guys from the village that have either joined up like post-takeover or just kind of been hanging out for a lot of it. Yeah. So
0: how many guns have you had pointed at your face over the years?
1: Uh, (laughs) I was in Sudan through the revolution and uh, two coups. So there's been a lot um, from that. So that's why I thought, too, that going to Afghanistan would be okay Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm used to seeing lots of guns and men with guns that should not be holding guns wandering around. Um, I saw a lot of parallels, actually. I kept comparing the Taliban to the militia that we have in Sudan because they both carry their guns like a purse, kind of, you know, slung over their shoulder. Like, I could probably take it if I wanted to. So, right, right yeah. yeah. Very nonchalant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of toss it on the table when they go into a cafe. Just, you know, you throw your bazooka across the table. Really? A
0: bazooka? <laughs> yeah, Have seen that?
1: We were sitting oh. in a cafe in Kabul having, I think it was like a Turkish-style cafe and, you know, beautiful place, grass sitting. These Taliban guys come in. One's got a bazooka. Just kind of flings it onto the table. And my travel <laughs> companion freaked out. He's like, this is not okay. This is not okay. <laughs> just like, it's. it was so... So surreal, though, like, yeah. seeing these kinds of things yeah. and stuff. And, like, we could have just gone and taken that. Like, they were not right. concerned. These, They're not trained, so they don't know how to even, like, properly handle their weapons. But, like, we could have just kind of walked by on the way to the bathroom and grabbed a bazooka. <laughs> it's just like...
0: Yeah, it's not like, you know, sitting down and setting on your backpack. Yeah. But to them, it was yeah. kind of in a way yeah. like, oh, I'm exhausted. Let me just set down my bazooka here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I say, It's like they're carrying a purse, how they treat it. It's like a woman with her purse, just kind of flinging it on the yeah. table or, you know, kind of casually holding it on her shoulder. Nah,
0: except Wh- it's a bazooka. Why do you put yourself in these situations country-wise? Like, you know, going into a country like that, there's going to be these types of things that are going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. You ask good questions. Um, I honestly, I, I don't know. I usually make a joke that it's a lack of self-preservation. Um, but at the end of the day, I did think about it a lot with Afghanistan. And realistically, this is probably one of the safest times to travel in Afghanistan because the fighting's done. But even so. as a
0: solo female traveler, independent? To an extent.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there you don't have the the bombing in the streets as much anymore. Um, A lot of the roads are safer to drive on than they were previously. So I took the road between Gandahar and Kabul and I was reading about it and how it used to be called like death road or something because that's where the Taliban would attack random cars and things. Well, now they don't because they're in control of it. So in that way, it's much safer to move around the country than it has been in the past. But as a woman, there's just a lack of respect um, that you're going to be
0: afforded in the country. I mean, how, how does that make you feel in the moments that that happens?
1: Um, so I had a situation where I was on a bus um, trying to avoid checkpoints because you blend more on the bus. And I was wearing a full niqab, so you could only see my eyes. So I didn't speak, so you couldn't really tell that I Is that, is I was that how foreign. you traveled around yeah, with the mm-hmm. full? Uh... Yeah, so outside of Kabul, full niqab the entire time. Yeah, so only my
0: eyes were showing. Just your eyes, okay? Yeah. yeah,
1: so and a lot of Afghani's do have light eyes, so
0: and even <laughs> even then, people would uh, pull you out of check uh, places, and they sometimes. could tell that you didn't.
1: Yeah, sometimes. Wow. So um, traveling by bus though made it a lot more anonymous. But we stopped at one point, and there was like eight or nine like Taliban guys got on the bus. So the guy that was kind of handling the bus seating, he made a lot of people give up their seats for these guys. So one ended up behind me kicks off his shoes and then he spends the rest of the ride about four hours with his feet on my head. Are you serious? (laughs) Dead serious. He used me as a footrest for uh, the remainder of that ride. So So that was just like how little respect they have for women. Like I was basically furniture to this guy. And so he probably assumed I was a local woman. He didn't know I was foreign. I didn't speak. So there was nothing giving that away. And you can't,
0: you literally can't say anything. Yeah, I
1: didn't feel like I could.
0: No, no. So, of course not. I yeah, mean, you so. know, that's that wasn't an accusation. That yeah, was no, because like it could go either that was way. a Statement. Yeah, y- y- <laughs> like, yeah. You can't say anything. Yeah, it, it's so, hor- but, horrible. Yeah,
1: and so it just degrading. Makes you think how, too um, about like how the women in these countries, like Afghanistan, like this is. I was a guest. I could leave any time I wanted, and I did get a lot of privileges being a foreign woman. So I was allowed into places that I wouldn't have been allowed into otherwise and stuff. But you think about like the women that have no choice they can't leave if they want to like this is their life so where for I was, four hours for four hours yeah i could feel his toes Ugh. yeah wasn't wasn't fun oh. so yeah when got to gandahar finally got to the hotel i'm pretty sure i just had a breakdown in the garden yeah I was like, that's kind of yeah. that's
0: a <laughs> bit traumatic experience yeah
1: it was just that feeling of like powerlessness yeah that really was getting to me like there was nothing i could do about this and that was that was really hard.
0: Yeah. Wearing the full... What, what's the name for the... Niqab. Niqab.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the women, they wear the full blue, the burqa. Yeah. So I wore like a Saudi-type style niqab. So just the, the black cloth over my face. Yeah. Uh, with the hijab and a black abaya.
0: How does existing within a society like that and wearing the clothes and those... That clothing, in a sense, is... It's so doesn't reveal very very much. Yeah. You can say the eyes are the window to the soul, so <laughs> you can, you know, see something, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very little, so in a sense, it's easy to, I feel, to dehumanize people because it's just very nondescript. Everybody's yeah. looking very much the same, and you're just another among,
2: you know, yeah. you can't
0: express yourself in any individual way, I feel, in, in, in that type of situation. I guess traveling like that and, and being covered up like that and everything again we're not comparing your experience to people that Mm. live there and grew up there but it at least gives you a sense of what it is like to exist within a society like that so did you have an opportunity to commiserate with other women in an honest way where people could let their guard down and talk about their feelings and
1: um so a little bit but with women that have left afghanistan um so i do know a female she used to be a tour guide actually in afghanistan afghanistan's only female tour guide um she has since fled um to italy Um, but i was talking to her um during my time there and i had asked her about how to put on um, the niqab properly and it sent her a photo and like is this right and stuff and she had asked me she's like well what do you feel wearing this and I'm like it's awful and she's like yeah I know now imagine having to wear this all the time yeah. I'm like, yeah. but I actually I met a family um, in the north in Mazar um, my taxi driver actually invited me home to meet his wife and children I'm like of course I want to do that um, so I was asking them questions about how they felt about things about the Taliban takeover, education and they said they were just relieved that the fighting ended They're like, honestly, we don't care who's in charge. It's pretty much all the same to us, like, as long as the fighting is over. So that was an interesting perspective, I thought. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I haven't heard that before.
0: Well, it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? So. Just from, like, a basic daily life kind of, uh, we get to wake up and there's not a war. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, a pretty depressing baseline to be at. Because the bad guys are in charge. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But you're still right. just happy that there's some level of yeah. peace and stability. Because that country's been, I mean, it's just it's been stuff going on there for yeah. decades. It's, it's,
1: yeah, since way before my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: when you get into a conversation like with the taxi driver's family or something, do you ever think about, or in any of these countries, where you could essentially be thrown in jail for talking about something? Do you think about that? Um. Sometimes, so
1: not so much in Afghanistan because they don't really have a well, like thought out spy network of like who's a who's talking about things and stuff. Yeah. But in Sudan, but how in do the you past, know that? Well, they're not that well organized. Yeah, but Sudan in the past we had a lot of issues with that. So yeah, when I first moved there, um, they would have people that would come in and like monitor like classes, um, of teachers and stuff to see what they were saying and. Different things like that. And I actually knew a guy. Um, he was a teacher, British teacher, and it was right after the apostasy trial had happened. So there was a woman that was charged with apostasy because she had married a Christian man, and since her father was Muslim, she was considered to be Muslim, even though she was raised Christian, and it's illegal then for a Muslim woman to marry a Christian man. so she was sentenced to death. And it became a huge international news, um, big thing. So a teacher I knew brought it up in one of his classes, just casually kind of said like something offhand about it, like, oh, in the apostasy trial, I hope like the Americans get her out or something like that. And then his passport ended up being seized a few days later. Everyone else within the same organization as him had their passport seized, went into review if they could stay in the country or not. So just because of that one comment... Oh my God. So gosh. Sudan used to have a really, really good network of
0: people just telling the government what other people said. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway streaming services. Go to usbank.com altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! destinations on earth we're excited to partner with nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit and there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 nissan pathfinder with seven drive modes the pathfinder's available intelligent four x four is built for even the most epic journeys and it even has the best towing capacity in its class up to six thousand pounds And enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Now, back to the show. How long have you been living in Sudan? Yeah, drink some coffee. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, gotta gotta get caffeinated for this conversation. (laughs) I'm already, like I said, six or seven in. Yeah, I see you shaking over there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been there for eight years now. It'll be eight years next month.
0: Okay. I mean, we did get to meet before a couple weeks ago. And I heard a little bit about the story about how you ended up there, which is pretty incredible. But uh, I was wondering if you could share a bit about how you chose Sudan (laughs) as a place to move to, Uh, because I I want people to hear this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I have my bullshit story about how I was so interested in the culture and wanted to study Arabic. Um, But I had been about six months before that. I had been in an airport in Jordan and I had met some Sudanese women. And they were really friendly and really nice. And they were like, oh, you should come to Sudan. And I had studied a bit of Arabic at university. So I ended up talking to them because I wanted to practice. Um, And I was like, "Ah, Sudan, like I've seen your country in the news. I'm not going there. So and then as time went on, I kind of had kept thinking about that because like I was home back in the States. I like to travel. I'm like, "Okay, Sudan. And then I had a really bad day. So I had broken my job's iPad and gotten scolded for that. My time off had been denied. Um, and then I had gotten a speeding
0: ticket on my way home from work. Where were you working at the time?
1: I was managing a shoe store outside of New York City. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah different life. Yeah. <laughs> very, very different life. Wow. Yes. Um, yeah. So I got home and I'm like, I don't want this. So, and I realized too, like if... If I stayed in that job, I could be happy probably forever, just comfortable enough. Like I made enough money where I could have the things I needed. And yeah, so it was kind of like, this is my chance. Do I leave or stay here forever? So I booked a ticket to Sudan like any normal person would. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's what kind of shoe store managers are known for. Yeah. Yeah. uh Right. Mm -hmm. It's very common among. Shoe yeah. store managers to
1: <laughs> went in book in and tickets quit to
0: Sudan and move there for nine years, eight years. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, and when I quit, like my district manager's face, she's like Sudan. So... Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> she's like what?
0: <laughs> like... Where outside of New York City is that? <laughs> yeah. Is that Massachusetts? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So uh, up until that point, have you had you been traveling a lot?
1: Uh, no, Sudan was my eighth country. Really? Okay. Yeah, first country in Africa. My eighth overall. Well, hadn't really been eighth many places. Country yeah, overall. I'd been. And to what Denmark. were the
0: other? Were the other countries just sort of typical tourist type? Not you know not. T- I mean, you should say typical compared to Sudan, mm. Afghanistan. Were they? Yeah,
1: so, yeah. I'd been to Canada and Mexico, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and then Denmark. Yeah. Um, Palestine, Israel, okay. Jordan, and then Sudan.
0: Why did you think that? you needed to make such an extreme like there's a lot of different things you could have done you could have still quit your job and gotten a uh-huh. new one you could have quit your job and just taken a road trip across the U.S.
1: I did that as well okay before I moved okay. I called it my goodbye tour
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but, where did yeah. you go there uh, we drove from a friend of mine was moving to San Diego and she wanted to bring her car so we drove from New York City to San Diego you know hit up Vegas on the way the Grand Canyon yeah of course yeah a lot of the the hot spots all the the shenanigans yeah no it was a lot of fun in a mini Cooper though (laughs) oh okay so she had her life packed into the back of this so we're like pressed up against the dashboard (laughs) in a mini Cooper for two weeks so that was um yeah that was fun glad I did it unsure if I would volunteer to do that again
0: yeah well I mean that's going to prepare you for travel in a lot of these countries where they put like you know 80 people on a bus designed for 20 and you have someone on your lap smashed on the glass. (laughs) (laughs) How did your family handle this? I guess here I'd also be looking for some advice for people who have to let's say break the travel news to people that in their lives that maybe aren't going to support it as much as they they would like to. Yeah.
1: So I kind of didn't tell them until the day before.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a strategy. Yeah. Um I
1: did go and do it in person. So i Yep. Yeah, took the train up to Utica, um, went to one of my sister's hockey matches, and then I was like, by the way, I have a flight to Sudan tomorrow. <laughs> my dad's like, where is that? And then my mom cried, and she's like, you don't have to do this.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, I know. Like most mothers <laughs> probably would. <laughs> <laughs> she just saying, she's like, you
1: know, you don't have to.
0: You
2: don't have to. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, and then she didn't speak to me for, I think, six months Because she was that. mad at you. Yes, yes. But now yeah, she's but fine with it. Yes, yeah, she tough. has reached a level of acceptance by now. Yeah. Yes.
0: So I'm just putting myself in your shoes a bit. That's quite a lot to, mm. to take off, to land in a, a totally new country that you're planning. Were you planning on visiting? Were you planning on trying to find a job? And I there?
1: was thinking of maybe staying for about a year. So I had budgeted okay. it out where I could stay for but, a but year. But why? I
0: mean, you don't even know if you were going to like it. Why I have did
1: literally you... no idea because I was a 23-year-old with no plan. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was it just like, hey, I'm just gonna go have an experience, whatever it is, type of attitude? Yeah, or was kind it just... of.
1: I'd always wanted to be somewhere different or do something different, like reading books or watching movies as a kid and dreaming about these faraway yeah. places. You and mean in like, your soul? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is this is my chance at kind of living that kind of life. And yeah, so okay. yeah, so yeah. I'm ahead of that. I'll give it a year, see what happens. Um, maybe travel around the area a little bit and. Yeah, we'll see. When-
0: so you get there, and what had what happens? Your family's not talking to you because they're pissed. Yes, <laughs> you're in Sudan. What mm. was the first? What were the first few days like?
1: I loved it. You did just immediately. Like, yeah. the people are so friendly. I mean, you connected it with it. Felt like home right away. Really? Yeah. So wow. I just fell in love with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, now it's home. You mean the culture? Uh, yeah. The people, the culture, the way of life. It's very laid back. It's more of an emphasis on family and friendships over working yourself to death, which is a huge difference from the U S yes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, even if a, an acquaintance of mine was sick and needed something, I could tell my boss, sorry, I'm not coming today. Like my neighbor's sister's friend is sick and I have to go over there. And my boss would be like, yeah, okay. You take care of that. Yeah. No questions asked. No questions because yeah. it's, it's related. That's to what matters. Relationships, because yeah, people matter. The relationships
0: more. get priority.
1: Yeah, and that's really really nice. Yeah. So and it's just kind of a laid back, sleepy culture mm-hmm. overall. So I mean, you sit around, you have coffee, you chat, and mm-hmm.
0: yeah. like we're doing.
1: Yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. So everyone's in the street <laughs> making podcasts. <so. laughs> oh yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> right next <No>. to bars.
0: <laughs> Was the intention to get work there or just travel around the first year?
1: Um, So yeah, I did. I ended up working. um, I did some like private English classes when I first uh, moved there. And I actually got really lucky that I had met some of the right people. And they were starting a curriculum development project um, between the World Bank and the government. So they were writing the science, um, Arabic and English curriculums for the country. And they needed someone that spoke English that could say like, oh, this is an authentic way of using this grammar. So I got hired. Um, to do that pretty quickly, so and I'm still in the similar role. So I've just kind of moved up within organizations over the years as I've got more qualified and.
0: And how far into your f- trip there did that whole thing um, start? So
1: I moved there in January. That was September. So about eight nine months in.
0: Okay, so you were traveling around a bit, yeah. meeting people. Yeah, so I traveled living. around the
1: country. I went to Eritrea for a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then back to Sudan, and yeah, just hanging out in the in the market.
0: So, yeah. yeah so interesting
1: yeah oh <laughs> so. it's a great place absolutely
0: fantastic country well like you said uh you mentioned earlier that it's it's in the news you know i've heard about mm. your country in the news i think was the words you said it, it is a lot of uh political upheaval i guess not not so much stability and of course i mean as travelers we all know those two different things right you have like governments and systems and they do what they want and then there's the people that you actually meet and mm-hmm. You know, the oftentimes the struggles for power and the th- things that are happening at yeah. different levels, not how it is among just everyday people. Mm-hmm. Right. That type of instability trickles down to affect society, of course. So just as far as like life there, how is that on a daily basis? Like you mentioned, the coups and, you know, government spies and all these, you know, how does that affect your sort of daily life as somebody who's living in the country and
1: well we go through periods of really stable times where you know you can go to work every day everything's normal um, but we had the coup last year on October 25th um, and since then things have been very unstable so there's usually protests two to three times a week where the city kind of shuts down a lot of roadblocks the bridges close um, they, the military closes the bridges with um, they close the bridges with like shipping containers overnight yeah so people can't get between cities so we have issues like that um so work is kind of inconsistent um we're not allowed to officially recognize the current government so that kind of makes working with the government a little bit difficult at the moment as well
0: oh yeah yeah because your job is to mediate yes in a way
1: yeah so Hmm. but if you can't recognize them how do you (laughs) work with them right um the beginning of this year was quite bad so a lot of shooting in the streets there's been a lot of protesters that have died in the last year since the coup um young very young protesters
0: which is very unfortunate where do you fit yourself into all this in society you just kind of
1: well i live kind of in the middle of where all of the,
0: the protests are so yeah.
1: i live right next to where the presidential palace is in downtown city? in khartoum okay Yeah, so very, very close to where the protests are always heading. So I keep a a mattress at home to kind of push up against the wall in case, like, the shooting starts. You don't want it to come in through the window. Don't want my cat to get shot or anything like that. So that's a... (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun thing. Um, (laughs) um, So I don't get involved in the protests in any way. I stand out too much. So it would be kind of... It would make... It less safe, I think, for protesters because they just have this thing about guests and foreigners where they want to protect you. They okay. want to take care of you, look after you. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to be focused more on me than yeah. they would be on themselves and put themselves in danger.
0: Yeah, um, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So I don't take part in the protests like that. So I think my way is m- mostly monetary with being involved in that regard. But back when we had the sit-in, there was a massive sit-in in 2019 that ended um, the 30 year dictatorship. So we used to go down there every single night. It was like a street festival, like art, music, face painting, food, it was incredible. So I was very involved in that um, back during the primary revolution, 2019.
0: Wasn't Sudan under Sharia law? Yes. Uh, And what what did that mean for you?
1: Um, So there's a lot of exceptions for Christians, um, but it is a dry country, so we do have no alcohol. Um, and you do have to dress fairly conservatively, but being foreign, a lot of times they'll say a foreign woman is an honorary man. So I can get away with wearing pants, going to places that women wouldn't normally be able to like going and smoking shisha, things like that, that were illegal for a Sudanese woman to do. Really?
0: Mm -hmm. And does that impact your relationships with this, your Sudanese female friends there? It's
1: very difficult to have female friends unless they're from more elite families and they have more freedom because most don't go out very often. So they're at home at night. They can't be out late. They need somebody to go with them between cities. So some of that is quite of, difficult. Because yeah, of the laws? Because of Do the they have law and the a culture. Certain... A little bit. So you're seeing less and less of it now. So you see more women in trousers and with their hair uncovered. But most are still quite conservative because most grew up under Sharia law. So they're just very, very used to it. Um... Mm-hmm. So it's one of it's strange because the younger generation tends to be more conservative than the older generation, because they remember back when there were bars all over the city and before Sharia and they could drink alcohol. And and the young generation has grown up with the influence from the Gulf. So the Wahhabi movement from the Gulf. So you see a lot of the younger women wearing like niqabs and fully covered, where the older women were more traditional clothes.
0: Really? Okay. And what do you, are you wearing just your regular clothes? Yeah, I just wear yeah. loose
1: loose linen usually, okay. As I mean, it's hot. So.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: so just pants and a long sleeve button down shirt, Yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm going to pull up, because uh, I was looking up on some information on Sudan before we were going to chat here, and I read that this is according to... Wikipedia, 88% of women in Sudan have undergone female genital mutilation. Yes. Mm-hmm. 88%.
1: That number's actually down. Um, it, when I moved there, it was like 93%.
0: Now that means you passed 10 women and nine of them essentially have had this. Yes. As a woman, how do you, how does that?
1: It's interesting because it's not widely spoken about. So I've asked close female friends about it before. Um, and they're kind of they don't seem to have strong opinions about it. So they're like, oh yeah, my mom didn't want to do that or something or, oh yeah, we are of course. And I'm like, oh. um, but there are, there are some movements, um, that are getting some steam against, um, FGM and raising awareness about the negative health impact that that can have on a woman. Um, either just from get, when she gives birth or just living. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's terrible. Um, yeah, so it's really prevalent in the Darfur region of the country, and that's where they're having a really hard time spreading information about it. But there are some really, really good initiatives that have been started up Yeah, against
0: it. Yeah. I mean, this is part of the society that you live in, have lived yes. in for almost a decade. This experience, thinking about shoe store, Jackie, <laughs> and yeah. you sitting here with me right now, how have these experiences traveling and living in some of these places changed your your outlook?
1: I think it's humbled me a lot. Um, I also, I notice sometimes I don't really relate to my friends from home in the same way anymore. Yeah. So when they'll complain about some problem they're having or something that's going on, and I'm just kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> like I just pushed the mattress up against my wall so my cat doesn't get shot. So I don't know. Yeah. So there is kind of a disconnect now that I feel with a lot of people. Um, I've thought about it, too, a lot recently about why I'm staying there. And I've talked about this with some Sudanese friends. And we think that there's a form of like collective trauma that we have from the revolution um, and from the coups and just being there um, through massacres and seeing people getting shot and stuff. Um, So where we don't talk about it, but we all understand it. And we all have that similar experience. So there's some kind of comfort or healing in that. Where I notice when I'm outside of Sudan and I bring it up and I say like, oh, well, I'm, that was the morning of the massacre. And people kind of give me a like, all right, what is she talking about type look. Um, so I find that sometimes a little bit difficult to like relate to people outside. Of Sudan. I think I'm Sudanese. At this point. Yeah. yeah are you a citizen? So. I'm it- um, going through the process right now. Really? Yes. Okay. So I have applied for citizenship.
0: So it's some kind of feeling of unity in a way or I guess this shared experience. You've been there long enough where you've had shared experiences within the culture that are traumatic. So mm. therefore, you're, you're more connected probably. You know, I'm thinking about somebody who's an expat in... I'll just say Paris because it's such a popular place to to be and to visit, versus the expat life, let's call it, in Sudan. I mean, you're looking at two dramatically different experiences because of the the things you've witnessed. Like you said, the things you've experienced, the traumas, that you have actually, by choice, not, not that by choice you've witnessed these things because these things are happening around you, but you have put yourself into a place where there's these instabilities. And I mean, do you feel like that looking back? I mean, I'm not saying, oh, do you have regrets about that? But you've probably seen things that you would like to unsee maybe or that you can't unsee. Yeah. How do you feel about all of that?
1: Oh, no regrets. No. No. Yeah. It's still, um, it's the best decision I ever made. Yeah. was moving to Sudan. I still Feel that put my life on a completely different trajectory. Yeah. That I'm, yeah. That I'm very, very <laughs> thankful for. I think I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've grown a lot in it as well. I mean, obviously, it would be nice if some of these things over the last years hadn't happened. But at the same time, there's, a, you grow from it and it makes you stronger. Um, and these things would have happened whether I were there or not. So,
0: yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. Thinking about the, the daily life of some people, a lot of people in the world out there, you know. I, th- I think traveling, this is one of the huge benefits of travel. When you see the way people are living, the gratitude level, Like you can always lean on that. You know, I feel if I get, like you mentioned, kind of the disconnect you have with, with friends at home. But even I, as an individual, will f- sometimes feel that disconnect where I might find myself complaining about something that's so...
1: Of course, we all we're do. We're so
0: spoiled, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, the groceries came to my door, you know? I want They, they came at the wrong time, you <laughs> know? And it's like, while there's, you know, millions of people walking miles a day to get mm-hmm. their water or whatever, yeah. you know? So you think about these things and it brings you right back to uh, this place of gratitude, at least for me. I also sometimes have to be careful to not use that to like also belittle problems. Yeah. Or stresses mm. that everybody is in, entitled to have, and yes, there are different kinds of problems. Maybe yes. hashtag first world problems. Okay. It, it's a bit of a balance there. Yeah, I we feel. all have
1: different thresholds for things as well. So yeah. I mean, someone might actually be genuinely stressed if their groceries are not on time for whatever reason. Like, that could be a real problem for someone. <laughs> yeah. So, right. yeah, so yeah, so yeah, but
0: not real. Like you said, compare. You know, when you compare yeah. everything to the extreme it always makes the problem seem so small, which is a good thing, but also you don't want to discount your feelings, yeah, I guess, yeah. either at the same time. Well, it's so. all
1: relative, too. Like, the Sudanese kind of pity us in America for uh, not having uh, health care. Right. Like, when people, t- like, I'm sick with something, and they're like, go to the doctor. I'm like, I can't afford that. And they're like, of course you can here. This is not America. You can see a doctor. Yeah. So they kind of look at us like oh, we have this archaic, like ancient system where nobody can afford like modern medicine. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all relative.
0: And some of these places, of course, the, I think the suffering or the, or the challenges are maybe more physical, just the daily physical needs, meeting the daily physical yeah. needs. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, a place like our home country, the USA, these struggles, I think, is mental. A lot of it can be, I mean, not that there aren't physical struggles too, uh, you know, in America, but there's a lot of mental sort of like people, for example, always needing more, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, in a way that's a suffering. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, look materialism and the consumerism. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you were working yeah. in a retail store before. Yes. Oh that must God. have been totally, extremely... It was so, so draining. you know, one week you're talking to somebody about should they buy this $500 pair of shoes mm-hmm. or whatever, and the next week you're like <laughs> in Sudan. <laughs> like in a market <laughs> in Sudan, yeah. Yeah, that was
1: a uh, change. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a, a major
0: switch. You mentioned the disconnect you have with some of mm. your friends back home, but do you feel that disconnect with... a uh, your home country too
1: yeah a lot of times yeah um it's always a little bit odd when i when i go there but it's a lot it's there's a lot of layers to it like i don't know most pop culture references yeah. so like my sister will say something to me and she's 10 years younger than i am so i'm gonna be like what does that mean and she's like oh my god jackie you're so old but like it's not that i'm old it's just that like i don't have the same media that's right. coming, yeah, yeah, to me. So I don't know some of the things that, like, my friends know or references that they make. And it's kind of like, oh, Jackie's that weird Sudan girl. So it's like always you feel like a little bit on the outside of things. So now I feel more like a visitor when I go to the States than anything else. So it's familiar, but it's changed so much since I've been there that I don't really feel like I'm a part of it anymore.
0: But And you do feel more part of Sudan? Oh, yeah, than, uh-huh. yeah. very much so. Yeah. yeah. You speak... Uh, language and
1: uh enough yeah <laughs> yes arabic
0: can you share uh like a nice uh, expression that that you like in arabic and then expression tell us what it means like. you have something like that
1: um we have some funny things that we say there um there's a common word that you hear people say it's masura um, and it means literally it means a leaking pipe but if you say it to someone, like you are a Masora, and to Masora, it means that you're you're promising you're going to do lots of things and you're mm. not actually going to do these things. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I, I really, really like that one. But yeah. like people, you say it in like a loving way. Like someone will be like, yeah, yeah, I'll come over tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you're a masura. Like you're not going to do that, <laughs> inshallah.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. It's kind of like saying you're, you're full of crap. Basically. Yeah, yeah, so I really, really <laughs> like that. Like a leaking
1: pipe, you're just yeah. saying things and it's just dripping out and yeah. not going anywhere. Do
0: they have any words that represent like greater things that there aren't words for in english or something like that i always like those kind of words
1: mm-hmm. anyway. like there are a lot of those more religious words like inshallah like god willing and stuff but you kind of just say it for anything to relieve yourself of like responsibility yeah. so like yeah yeah, i'll meet you at 11 inshallah so like if i don't it's no longer my fault Yeah, and saying, like, mashallah.
0: It's like you're getting off the hook if you... It's like It's kind of like crossing your fingers behind your back. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, inshallah. Yeah, (laughs) basically, yes, it is the religious equivalent of crossing your fingers. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned the references and not getting them, but when we met up the first time, we were throwing references left and right, and we were laughing about it because as an expat, you know, here, and I'm not getting a lot of their references and them not getting Mm -hmm. mine, but we you know, able to connect in that yeah, way. That so nice. it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like, Gunnar
1: makes references sometimes and he'll be like, oh, it's this very funny cartoon about like two mice or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you telling me right now? You have no idea about any of these Norwegian references. <laughs>
0: I can't play the Nor- Norwegian trivia games because sometimes that bothers me a little bit. Like not having the cultural background to totally fit in to all of the, Conversations, yeah, of I course. Guess,
1: you know, a, you have that sense where you don't entirely belong. It's the life of
0: an expat. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is something
1: I feel a lot in Sudan. Like, yeah, a- <laughs> you know, no matter how long I've been there, like yeah. you look at me and I clearly I'm not from there, right? So there's always this kind of little bit uh, like of me not belonging uh, yeah so my I friends mean, forget but like people i meet on the street they're like oh welcome to sudan and i'm like yeah okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much yeah. can you show me around <laughs> yeah. first day here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does that wear on you ever at all that, uh... uh sometimes yeah, yeah. Okay. sometimes it really does yeah
1: um at the same time, like I know that because I look foreign, I do get extra privileges um, and I am treated a certain way. But sometimes it is really draining to have the same conversation every single day. Like, oh, welcome to Sudan. I'm like, oh, I live here. And they're like, oh, really, what do you do? Have you tried the fool yet? Like, have you eaten this food yet? am like, well, yes, every single day for the last eight yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: well, what is the food?
1: Um, it's mostly beans. Yeah. A lot of stewed beans. Um, And different grains, things like that. And you're a vegetarian, so that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, because meat's expensive. vegetarian food. Yeah, no, it's pretty good for vegetarians. There are a lot of lentils. So actually, like, really nutritious vegetarian options.
0: Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Are us expats kind of outsider weirdos sometimes? Mm -hmm. Maybe, in a way? (laughs) Maybe,
1: maybe a little bit.
0: (laughs) I mean, that is why I kind of like to connect with other people living abroad in some ways. Well... I don't know, I just wonder, where you, you studied Arabic in uh, college, did you say? Yeah, I studied okay. it for a
1: year, so I learned so to you, read and write. So you
0: were attracted to that culture, or that language, for what? Uh, even back then, mm. before you traveled?
1: Yeah, a bit. So um, I did my bachelor's in political science, so going through that kind of Arabic felt like the, the natural thing to study within yeah. that context, and I did my bachelor's focused on the Arab-Israeli conflict, so what I really wanted to do was work within Palestine Um, But now that's obviously shifted gears a little bit towards Sudan.
0: Yeah. Do you think that some of these things are just part of our innate personalities or that feeling of sort of like wanting to have a different kind of life?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, My friends like do talk about how I've been saying stuff like this for years, like since I was middle school, elementary school. And my friends are like, well, you always had these ideas about adventures, but now they're just on a larger scale. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, to an extent, because my sisters aren't like this. So they don't feel that need to roam. They're very settled. Um, yeah, my sister has kids. She's very happy. And doesn't really... She wants to go to Paris, maybe, or something like that. But... She doesn't like no weekend trip to Afghanistan on the no. books for her. <laughs> yeah. So I think to an extent, yeah, it's just something about us. I don't know.
0: You're trying to do the every country thing? Or are you going to, I guess? Uh, Slowly. Yeah. So that's
1: not really the ultimate goal. So I'd like to see everywhere. Um, but I'm not really ticking places off. So I'd rather spend my money on things I really want to do or see rather than collect a lot of capital cities.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think about the the every country? Do I call it a niche? <laughs> yeah, it's um,
1: a cult. We actually like to refer to it the the travel
2: cult. Yeah, well, our um, mutual
0: friend Gunnar, he's been on the show and he's been to every country in the world twice. Yes, yes. I could call it maybe a scene. It's a bit of a scene. Yeah, the every I mean, country it's a, scene. It's
1: a very competitive. I didn't realize world as
0: well. Yeah, what what's up with that? I have no idea.
1: Literally, no idea. So, I mean, you get these people that are, like, trying to go to every country in six months or something to be the fastest, and I, I, I'm a, I yeah. don't have answers. No. No. I uh, moderate a Facebook group for country counters. Um, it's called Every Passport Stamp, So, and it's a group of about 16,000 country counters, and we get questions in the group. So it's me and I think six others that moderate the group um we get questions though that are like i landed in aruba yesterday for 10 minutes can i tick off the netherlands and stuff and i'm just like what is this world <laughs> uh, it's a definitely very very interesting
0: i mean as somebody who likes to spend a month or two in a place mm-hmm. at least and you've been living somewhere for nine eight or nine years i keep eight, it, years. eight years yeah it's a different scene, it's a different style of travel, I guess. I
1: also so. realize I do have the privilege of time. So my job is very flexible. I can work remotely where not everybody has that. So some of these people that want to go everywhere, they maybe only can spend a day because they have a full-time job or a family they can't be away from. So I do realize it's a privilege that I have to travel slowly that a lot of other people don't actually have. So there is that element um, involved as well. But some of it's ridiculous. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, some of it... Rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I would say.
1: Yeah, there are uh...
0: especially. I think now, as a society, have become much more aware of the impact of yeah. travel and mm-hmm. emissions and all all of this stuff. I'm not saying. Listen, I look back on my travels like, uh, you know, <laughs> I've contributed my own share of yeah, yeah. CO two well, we'll have... to the environment, but mm. trying to go around for six months as fast as you can. Are you really experiencing?
1: Yeah. So are you experiencing anything? And imagine too. It's like like, the
0: travel version of TikTok. Yes, yes. (laughs)
1: God. And imagine like having the privilege to go anywhere, everywhere in the world and just ticking things off one at a time and not actually like taking the time to appreciate that you have this ability. Because so many people don't for either... Like personal reasons, for monetary reasons, passport privilege. There's so many like things that we have as travelers that a lot of people don't have. So I think it's important to appreciate that. Like,
0: yeah. And then some of it, I think, is just my own personal opinion. There is some, in some parts of that scene, there's quite a bit of ego involved. Oh, yeah. Which I don't love. It like harkens back to like the, you know, Westerners wanting to conquer the world kind of mentality.
1: There's, and like, an ownership feeling of countries that I see with, like, some of these people that have been everywhere and have, like, an internet following and stuff. And then it's, like, they feel like they own the world. And that's just, like, a fascinating take on having traveled to somewhere. Mm. Like, like they have conquered it, and now it's theirs. Yeah. I'm like... Now it's, it's mine. It's Global so domination. Yeah, I've got an idea for a reality show, you know, like following some of these people. Yeah. I mean, you've got the egos, you've got like the competition. It's going to be great.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Let's think it's do a, it.
1: such a good idea for a yeah. reality
0: show. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up. I mean, to, to produce it, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I wanna laughs> yeah. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee? Sign up over there at zero2travel com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. I wanted to talk a bit about courage because I find the type of traveling you've done pretty courageous and it's uh, one thing to, you know, have these sort of, like you said, you're your friend saw you in middle school having these like ideas for these outlandish adventures and things like that so you can have these ideas to go you know travel in afghanistan after the taliban as an independent solo female traveler it's like okay well that's an idea but then you actually do it and some of these places you've gone and we can talk about some of the other situations uh and places you have visited i'm sure there's been some other dodgy let's say uh <laughs> things you yeah, put yourself okay. in i'm gonna call it courageous some people might call it stupidity, it yes, depends okay, on, uh, okay. you know, your mother might say yeah, that. She thinks I'm insane. Uh, <laughs> like, what is she thinking? It takes some courage to go from that, those some concepts like these big ideas or big thoughts around travel or really anything to uh, then actually getting out and doing it. I guess I just wanted to hear a bit more about your mindset around that. And, you know, for anybody listening that's, I've had some and and this can be for anything. It doesn't have to be travel related, but you know, something, I get the sense that you've had this, these feelings inside of you, to do these things and you've, you've actually taken the steps to live that true to yourself life, but it's not always easy to, to do that. And for anybody listening that has some things that they're, their souls calling them to do, let's say finding the courage to kind of like take those steps, go on a new path. Yeah. I just wanted to hear, um, yeah, well, I think
1: that. it's important to remember that there isn't just one way to live. So, I mean, like, I remember growing up and we were kind of really fed that you finish high school, you go to university, oh, yeah. you graduate. We were then fed you, that. Like, yeah, then you get the job, <laughs> you get the spouse, then you start having children, you have the house. That's what you do. Yeah, and like that was <laughs> that was the linear path that everyone was hoping for. That is how you measured success. Were you on track? Married right. by 30, yeah. House by 35. Yeah. So that kind of thing. And I think it's important to remember that it you don't have to live that way. And when I left the U.S., a lot of my friends would say things like I was being irresponsible um, or like this isn't the way to live and things like that. And I think it's just important to remember you don't have to follow that path that everybody else is. Like it's okay to want to live differently. And traveling, you do see that there are other ways to live and maybe one of those fits you better. And that's okay. And you don't have to just quit your job like I did. Um, (laughs) That maybe wasn't the best way to go about it. Um, But you can work towards having something else or having a different life as well like make a plan for it even if it's just moving to a new city so I mean it doesn't have to be as extreme if you're unhappy in your job start looking for another one move to a new city meet new people anything like that um with like the solo travel thing I do I get called intrepid a lot so I do like to point out that there is a lot of safety afforded to me as a traveler in some of these places that the local population within them does not have so I'm going and spending maybe two weeks seeing someone else's life usually from the outside because I mean you can only be that involved um, spending two weeks in a place where this is their everyday life so are they intrepid for living this life every single day they don't have the choice to leave where I do so I do like to point out that what I'm often like praised for is someone else's everyday reality so I don't always like the (laughs) The intrepid label
0: i really appreciate that you said that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like your stories of like oh this traveler took a bus across like the drc but like don't congolese do that every single day and uh, do we applaud them for doing it or yeah yeah, post about them on the internet that's just their reality right yeah
0: yeah i like the advice to him that you know i think it's easy to see that, oh, you quit your job and you do this as the solution. Like like you said, you can make a plan, you don't necessarily have to quit your job. But I think one of one of the challenges to uh living um what's called an unconventional life and, and stepping outside of the the definition of success that you were brought up to believe, whatever that is for you, like you just laid it out for for us as we share, you know, in the Northeast sounds like we had a very common sort of that's called a life path. Yeah. That was ske- sort of fence. sketched out yeah. and you would then, I, I didn't get so much pressure that I was going to be expected to be on it, but that's just, it, it. it was what it was. I didn't even realize that there were alternatives until I started waking up to the idea that there were alternatives. But part of accepting that unconventional life, I did end up leading by our, you know, success standards, I'm using air quotes, that we were brought up on was accepting that for myself too in terms of my identity if you want to call it that your self-identity to say hey it's if I'm not this no matter whatever but anybody thinks of me parents friends family whatever I'm still going to just accept that this is who I am and this is the way I want to live so like there's also a level of self-acceptance I think that has to take place did you experience that at all or was this just the yeah,
1: I noticed just how much happier I was um, when I moved. Um, immediately, everything I felt healthier, um, I was making time for myself. Mm. So, I think I immediately kind of felt like this was who I actually was, and I had been living this other life um, before that that wasn't really meant for me or mine, mm. I guess. No, I like noticed like immediately I was healthier, I was sleeping better, like I wasn't having stress dreams anymore. Like everything was better. Just wow. like overnight. So, Whoa. yeah, it's much, much happier. So and yeah, I'm still happy now.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. Um <laughs> can you share some other stories from some other places? <laughs> mm. All right. I, I mean, I could put a a framework around yeah, this. Give me a but framework. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's see. A place that Surprised and delighted you.
1: Um, Iraq. Actually, I was really, really surprised by Iraq. So I uh, did a, another impulsive, drunk ticket buying. Uh, bought a flight to Baghdad earlier this year. Um, with the I thought there were
0: no bars in Sudan.
1: Yeah, well, we, we find our ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some, some moonshine that I'm slowly poisoning my body with.
0: Moonshine? Moonshine, really? yes, uh, yes. Sudanese so, moonshine?
1: Well, it's actually made by the Filipinos. Okay. They run a cockfight on Thursday nights oh. on the outskirts of Khartoum. Um, and you can get anything there. That's what they tell me. I go for the moonshine.
0: Really? Yes. You go to a cockfight yes. for moonshine. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, there's a sentence your 23-year-old self working in the shoe store probably, probably never would have thought that you would say. You know? these words <laughs> like, together. Yeah. Oh, you guys want to go down to the cockfight and get some moonshine? moonshine? Yeah. yeah, sure. Of course. That's what we do on Thursday nights. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then we go to
1: the Nigerian disco. <laughs>
0: Of course you it's do. It's a great time.
1: Cartoon is <laughs> lit, like I'm great telling time. you.
0: Now yeah. I want to come for a visit because that sounds like a, oh, yeah, a damn no. good night. Oh, no,
1: yeah, I'll take you out. <laughs> <laughs> you will probably forget. but yeah, No, so booked a very impulsive flight to uh, Baghdad with the intention of saying I was thinking like five or six days. Yeah, Absolutely fell in love with Iraq. The people are just incredible. So friendly, so nice. Mm. Um, so I spent uh, two weeks hitchhiking around the country hitchhiking end. hitchhiking. Yeah. And just met so many just incredible. Why, why people. hitchhiking?
0: Because
1: it was so easy. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it was so easy to meet people that way. So I took a few public buses um, and then hitchhiked a bit. So you just meet somebody and start talking and then they're like, oh, I'm going this way. Where Were you, you going? solo or? Um, yes, for most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah so I had met a German girl. In Kurdistan, that I spent a few days with, but in federal Iraq, I was solo.
0: Hitchhiking in Iraq. Yeah. So, is there any animosity towards Americans? Not at all.
1: Absolutely not at all. Nobody that you met? No, nobody, not even checkpoints. Everybody was very, very happy, friendly, like excited to see a tourist, wanting to know what I was doing there. Um, And I had read some reports from other travelers that, oh, the checkpoints are really difficult. I had seen some like clickbait videos, like the world's most dangerous road trip. Absolutely not my experience at all. I found just a very friendly, open country. People just wanting to get to know you. A lot of selfies. I took a lot of selfies with random checkpoint guards. Really along the way. Yeah, everybody wanted a selfie. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot I'm of like fun. A celebrity so, traveler. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my photos on the wall of these random checkpoints. <laughs> yeah. no, so I was really, really surprised. Yeah. But I think that's another one of those what the media has shown. For so many years, especially, like, as Americans, mm-hmm. um, we think of Iraq as, I don't know, the Bush years, Iraq. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. But no, yeah. not my experience at all. Yeah. Very surprised. Yeah. Safe absolutely to loved travel it. Yeah. I felt so, so safe. Yeah. Yeah. There was never an incident where I felt unsafe. Everybody- No bazookas
0: was, being randomly tossed no, on the cafe tables? No.
1: And everybody that had guns looked like they were trained to oh, have right. like a gun. So actually, that that was really reassuring. They weren't, like, 14 carrying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <a> gun. Yeah. In <laughs> <And> flip-flops. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. No. That
0: sounds incredible. I've heard the hospitality there is off the charts. Yeah,
1: absolutely amazing. Yeah, just meet a group of people and they'd be like, come with us for the day. And, you know, you'd end mm. up smoking shisha in the marshes and singing all day and learning. I learned really? to play dominoes. and Really? Yeah, it was a lot That's of so fun. Cool.
0: How do you uh, assess whether it's cool to go off with somebody like that? What goes through um, your head?
1: I probably don't assess it as well as I should. No. Yeah. I should probably think more <laughs> through through some of those ones. Uh, usually, uh, most people are good. So, I mean, there have been a few dicey situations over the years in travel, but of course that does happen as a yeah. solo female. What's um, your
0: best advice for uh, safety? Safety.
1: Just go with your gut, really. Yeah. I think Mm. Um, there are a few things like I've learned, like I've had issues with being the last one out of a shared taxi and the driver like making moves on me and stuff. Really? Yeah. So now I'm never the last one out of a shared taxi. I don't sit in the front um, of a taxi. Usually Um, I try to make sure hotels have some kind of front desk type situation before getting to my room. So it's harder to follow me. So just some basic things like that. Okay. Yeah. Just being aware. Mm. Yeah, i kind of zigzag my way home to see if anyone's following.
0: Do you consider yourself a risk taker?
1: Um, well, I've never really thought about it, but I guess I guess I have taken some risks. Um, not intentionally, but I guess that does yeah. happen. It's kind of a side effect of...
0: Because it's two different things, what people see and what they interpret as you and what you feel.
1: Yeah, no, I don't feel like I take a lot of... Risks, but I guess I do like looking at things like, on paper. Yeah, like a, <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never do anything that feels outside of my abilities, though. So yeah. I've never really done something that feels like, all right, I'm going to die doing this type oh, thing.
0: What's something that uh, scares you?
2: <laughs>
1: I'm afraid of mummies.
0: Like coming alive? And yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, that's, that's my yeah, paper. biggest
1: fear. I'm also afraid of flying so like I are you really i'm terrified of flying okay yeah i don't think you could ever get me to go in like a seaplane or like something like that i don't think you could ever so
0: but you fly you do fly to these destinations when i have do? to yeah what yeah. do you do how do you get through uh
1: i spend a lot of time traveling by land um which people think i'm like doing for fun and i'm just trying to avoid mm. the plane yeah <laughs> but um i can i can handle it but i really really prefer not w- what to what don't you
0: like or what, what is it that Is it like a claustrophobic feeling? It just feels unnatural. Why am
1: I in a tin box flying through the sky? I should not be there. Yeah. Yeah, This does not feel like I should be there. Just don't... Yeah, Yeah, it's just going to fall out of the sky. No, yeah. Don't want that. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like (laughs) Gunnar and I had to take the boat back and forth to Denmark. I'm not flying.
0: It is enjoyable to travel overland. Yeah, and you see a lot as well.
1: So you kind of... It's interesting to see like the cultures change. Like I just came... um, I started in Sharm el-Sheikh and I looped up to Cairo and then down through Egypt to Sudan. It was really interesting kind of just watching how the culture slowly changed um, from like the more Egyptian traditional culture to the Nubians to my more familiar culture. That was really interesting to see the slow progression of it. Hmm. Uh, So, I mean, there are benefits to traveling by land. It's slower, but it's nice.
0: What do you miss about America? Bagels. Bagels.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right away. Yeah, bagels. bagels, I love bagels. bagels um, we have no cheese. bagels in
0: Sudan. The everything yeah. you and everything bagel. I am gal? an everything bagel. Yeah, yeah always. I'm an everything. Everything. Bagel yeah,
1: guy. no, most definitely everything. I do yeah. not like plain bagels. Like if that's what there is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You gotta go.
0: I, I'll do an egg bagel. I'll do an egg or an you onion. Know? I like an yeah. onion bagel. But the everything bagels got got it all. It's got everything. It's got everything. Exactly. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> still looking
1: for a good bagel here though in Norway. So.
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, if you find one, let me know. Anything else you miss about the U.S.? Is it all going to be food-related? Yeah, it's all going to be. I can start listing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 please. Tacos, Taco Bell, bagels. Well, let's talk about Taco Bell for a minute and our plans after this. Um, because this is a, this Mm. is, was hilarious. And I think awesome (laughs) that, uh, you know, you kind of talked about the, all these people trying to set records in every country and stuff and how ridiculous they are, but Mm. you have your own little ridiculous record, don't you? (laughs) You're going after it's time to confess. So I'm going to
1: go to every country with a Taco Bell, (laughs) and eat Taco Bell in that country. (laughs) I will be the first and only and waiting for Taco Bell to start sponsoring me.
0: Yeah. So if anybody listening works for Taco Bell, yeah. let us know. No, I think that this is hilarious because I'm, I'm a Taco Bell fan. And uh, you should be. No, this, this podcast is not sponsored by Taco Bell. But if they want to sponsor it, they can. Oh, no, really? we don't I have Taco Bell in Norway. <laughs> but we do have Los Tacos. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to go over there after this. Very and try excited. Los Tacos. Apparently, has the cheapest beer in Norway, This too. is what I hear. Yeah. Sorry, it's not Filipino moonshine. Uh, you but, know, I'll uh, take what I can get, though. I don't know if it pairs well with uh, street tacos, you know, Filipino <laughs> moonshine. But I got the sense when we were when I first heard about this that maybe you were, like, secretly trying to do this uh, record ironically to kind of, like,
1: oh, no, satirically...
0: Poke fun at the other records, but in actuality you actually love Taco Bell.
1: Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I've yeah. been to um it's I think time to confess eighteen countries now and had Taco Bell. <laughs> so I do actually plan trips sometimes where I can hit up as many Taco Bells as possible.
0: Yes. But yeah. So this
1: has actually influenced my Miami travel style.
0: Uh, so, I mean, Taco Bell's brought you some interesting destinations that you never would have visited before. Oh. Huh? The Taco Bell quest.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit, yeah. Flew down to
1: Cyprus last year on a impulse to hit up the Taco Bell. Yeah, just yeah.
0: just for?
1: Well, I mean, I saw some other stuff of while course, I was yeah, there, I but in between having some Taco Bell. Yeah. Also, uh, my first trip to Kuwait was solely for the purpose of Taco Bell. It was now... the closest, <laughs> It was the closest Taco Bell to Sudan.
0: Oh, yeah, you were just there.
1: Yeah, so don't we you? just were yeah, back Yeah, you there. went to Taco Bell. Not this time, because um I don't think Gunnar's a fan of uh, Taco Bell. Okay, <laughs> It doesn't yeah. fit in with the 10-course meal thing. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm sure we could turn that into a 10-course yeah. meal, all for under $10. It's,
0: <laughs> 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 it's so funny to think about. All right, so when you get to, to like, Cyprus, let's mm. say, and you're going to go to Taco Bell... Are you secretly like you know like yeah all these things to see but like let's let's do Taco Bell thing thing that is like the first Mm -hmm. thing you're like I'm heading to the Taco Bell.
1: I travel with this girl a bit. Um, her name is Tess, and we always meet in a country that has a Taco Bell, and we meet at the Taco Bell. Oh, yes. So whenever we travel together, (laughs) we find a Taco Bell that's like halfway between. Like I took the boat to Finland, and she flew in, and so we found the one that was like halfway between both. And we're like, we'll meet at the Taco Bell. I
0: just think that's awesome. It must be somewhat surreal when you guys actually meet, like when you walk into the restaurant and you're at Taco Bell in Finland. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here we are again, we another are. Taco yeah, Bell yeah. somewhere,
1: <laughs> yet again. Oh, and we always do like a a review, a live reaction review video for the for the like the Crunch Wrap or something. Oh yeah, okay. We're just we're just being idiots, <laughs> but yeah. it's very funny.
0: By the way, yeah, I mean, if people want have questions for you, if they want to get in touch. We can link to yours, like, Instagram. Yeah, the yeah. Best.
1: So, yeah, I answer questions on Instagram and I
0: post about travel. Where's your, uh, what's your handle?
1: Uh, it's my name. So, J-A-C-Q and then K-U-N-Z, Jack Kunz. That's yep. it. Yeah. Cool.
0: We'll link to that. Where do you see things going in the next, like, three to five years? Do you think like that?
1: Uh, Not usually. No. No, because I have no idea. Yeah. Um, someone is pressuring a move to Oslo in the next uh, few months Is so right it's not me yeah, yeah.
0: well mm. <laughs> someone that will not be named well hey listen we would welcome you with open arms here yeah you yeah. know we, well. you'd make a great addition yeah to, to norway yeah.
1: all right oh, yeah. i'm not sure how i'll do with this weather huh? <laughs> maybe i should see it in the summer months first
0: summer will sell you yeah yeah
1: okay Mm-hmm. i was here in april and i thought that was quite cold so yeah Mm. Yeah, it's
0: still pretty cold, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you figured out the wool thing and the layers yes, thing, so yeah, you're sir. all good. You got to do you. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you're not sure.
1: Yeah. Um, It's looking like it's going to go that really? way. Yeah, okay. I'm splitting time, probably. Interesting. Yeah.
0: But you still want to become a Sudanese citizen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about that? Which not being part? in Sudan full time. Um, Even if it's not here, mm-hmm. like just, yeah, how does that make I'm you feel? I'm not really
1: sure. Um, so I think it'll take some time for it to sink in a little bit. So I will be back in January. Um, so this is kind of a nice test run of yeah. Yeah, being here for a couple months and then yeah. going home and being able to compare and contrast and stuff. Yeah, because I really haven't thought about moving out of Sudan ever. No. So this is kind of the first time that ideas. In my head so yeah we'll see
0: it's hard to um settle into a new country
1: yeah especially one that's very very different yeah yeah so i think this is as different as it possibly can be right in what yeah. ways uh, a lot of development yeah. um yeah you have electricity yeah you have snow yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
0: and of... people
1: yeah the people are um a lot quieter yeah. Here? Mm. Yeah. Nobody has screamed at me from across the street, welcome to Norway.
0: So, which I was
1: really expecting. <laughs> do you want
0: me to do that? If uh, you to get outside yes, if on the could. way to Los Tacos, just I'll just to start Norway. yelling at you. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, because that's what
1: really makes me feel at home right. in the place. Yeah. Yes, the random yeah. strangers screaming across the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I haven't had that yet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, still waiting for that one.
0: A big part of the mentality in the U.S. is kind of like planning for the future and, mm-hmm. um, you know, career path and all that kind of stuff how do you kind of like just ignore that Um, or do you
1: to an extent so yeah so I do I really do like my career and I'd like to stay in my field and I've been working on various qualifications too over the last period just to progress in it more yeah Um, and trying to expand my CV a bit so yeah I do have a bit of career like progression mentality stuff Mm -hmm. um, going on but yeah you never know And maybe sometimes, maybe I'll find something better that I'd prefer to do. You never know. So yeah, don't want to get stuck in one thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, A couple more destination questions. Okay. And then we'll get on to the tacos. I know you mentioned you want a framework for these. So I'll try to think of one off the top of my head here. How about a place that I'm not going to do your, the, your favorite thing because that's just stupid and unfair. How can the you answer have a is favorite? Sudan. No, but you can't. But I, it's, it's hard to, you know. First place that comes to mind that is another city, town, or country that feels like home in a way.
1: Um, well, my father actually lives in the Dominican Republic. Okay. So I usually call that my second home.
0: Okay. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A place that, if you have the chance, everybody, you wish everybody could see sudan yeah
1: (laughs) yeah or Mm -hmm. any really middle eastern um country especially some of the ones that have kind of a negative media portrayal so i think it's important to actually go and see like how the people live and how friendly they are and how welcoming of country it actually is yeah Mm -hmm.
0: for people that would not take the step to do what you've done in terms of travel like maybe going to uh, Afghanistan, you know, or things like that. What would you say would be some of the I'll use air quotes cuz this is very subjective of course, mm-hmm. but some of the let's you you're well traveled, so let's call it some of the easier Middle Eastern countries to visit that you could say, "Hey, this is as easy uh, as traveling in Europe. Just come here and I'd experience this." Yeah, yeah. Jordan would okay. be a good one. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think my father often calls it a uh, Middle East for beginners. Yeah. Yeah, so cuz it's very safe, you have some really nice tourist attractions, um mm. but you still get that authentic culture that some of the cities in the gulf are kind of lacking. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What are some other places you've been that you just are near and dear to your heart?
1: I like most places actually that I go to.
0: Is that a uh, is that a mindset?
1: Um a little bit. Yeah, I guess.
0: What is that mindset?
1: Yeah, I mean every place has something. So that you like or has something to offer, whether it's history, architecture, the food, the people. So I mean, you just have to look for it. Yeah, I think. But yeah, no, I mean, everywhere people should try to go <laughs> as many places as they can. And there's regions of the world I'm still missing, so I haven't been to anywhere in the Pacific yet. So
0: do you uh, do you research a lot before you go, or do no. you are you more of a no no
1: <laughs> no? Just kind of show up and yeah, see N- what happens. Like,
0: I mean, well, some of these places you must look into. the
1: not really. No. No. I make some like really wild spreadsheets that just have like, it's mostly me rambling to myself yeah. on them. Like, do I want to go to this place? Maybe text this person. <laughs> just nonsense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of base things off of that. Um, but there's no real plan.
0: Do you journal or write or anything? No. Nope. Like what do you like to do?
1: Travel. <laughs> no. Um, no, not much of a writer or anything like that. Um, so I, I like photography. a lot yeah so i do take photos and stuff Mm -hmm. when i'm Mm -hmm. traveling Mm -hmm. um and a lot in sudan as well so yeah
2: yeah
0: cool it's really fun uh getting to chat with you
1: yeah this has been nice
0: do you want to leave leave us with some uh any words here? I don't words know. of wisdom. Words like, of wisdom. Yeah, I've got some uh, life
1: quote that I live by. Yeah, um,
0: some life quote that you live by. Maybe your favorite Taco Bell dish. No. <laughs> mm, yeah, I
1: know. Yeah. Go and uh, stock up on bean burritos.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if everybody wants to learn more about you, they can. Yeah. Go to, you don't have any have websites or no, things to promote Instagram. or anything. No. You're no, just a just cool me. traveler doing your yeah. thing. Just me. Trying to stay warm here in Norway. Yeah, trying and, uh, very,
1: taking a lot of energy to stay warm here.
0: Living the life.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Cafes and <laughs> lots of eating.
0: Yes. I look forward to staying in touch. We're going to go get some lunch now. And thanks for your time today. If you have uh, some questions for Jackie, you can hit her up. It sounds like we'll get the chance to do a part two. At okay. some point, because oh, yeah? if you're going to be here, maybe we can field some uh, questions and do a part two. Okay, when yeah, we come we'd be back. happy to. That'd be really fun, and um, hear more about some of the destiny. Maybe, maybe a list. We might be due for a a, a, a good old fashioned listicle okay. episode. Okay. I don't okay. know. I've been into those lately. So, anyway, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And for um, me. thanks for listening. Yeah. There you have it. That was my conversation with Jackie. What an amazing woman. And I can't wait to meet up with her again. I am sure she has a million and one other stories to share and we'll have to do it over tacos. The Taco Bell quest. I love the Taco Bell quest. I mean, (laughs) what a unique uh, kind of pursuit to have on the side. It's a bit of like a travel side hustle, right? If she's trying to go to every country in the world. Uh, you could say that her side hustle as she's traveling is visiting these Taco Bells, which is <laughs> kind of funny and cool. Anyway, we did end up going to have tacos and had a great time, and I uh, look forward to seeing her when she is back in town. Now, I'm going to share a shout-out to a listener in a moment. I did want to fill you in this past weekend. I was in the studio here in Oslo with my band Laundry House and we were recording a new album so that was really exciting just a personal update there if you like rock music and you want to follow along we'll put a link in the show notes to our Spotify and all that good stuff but what a great experience and it reminded me that it's just fun to be a tourist in your own town right it's just something that's completely unique we booked a studio right in Oslo Stayed in a one-bedroom apartment, had like an air mattress, couple guys on the bed, guy on the couch, and it was just a blast. I mean, we're just in our hometown, but just doing something completely unique and something we love. So don't forget, get out there and enjoy your own hometown. If you're home now, that is the challenge coming out of this episode. Go out and do something you haven't done before in your own town and enjoy it, revel in it be a traveler, be that tourist in your own town. such a fun thing. I know I've put that challenge out here before, but it's always a fun one. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is a message I got a while back from Michael. Greetings from Minnesota. He said, hey, Jason, thanks for all the info you shared over the years. Born and bred in the suburbs of the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. Still here after 29 years. Perhaps being in the same city all of my life is the reason why I love to travel so much. Anyways, thought I'd reach out to say hey and let you know about my... Story and plans. After being in my fourth job since graduating college as a mechanical engineer, I'm already waiting, excuse me, wanting to go to my fifth, but I'm starting to think I need something more as each corporate gig is the same. I'll be turning 30 in May and I'll be in Hawaii, my 50th state. I've only been truly fulfilled while going to new places. I need more. I don't know what it is, but it's the only thing I actually want to do in my life. Not doing BS day to day on something... Nothing like I studied in school. Hoping to land a new gig that allows me to travel. One of my previous companies sent me all over Europe. After that, I was hooked. Now that's my priority for my career. I can put up with the BS from Germany, I suppose. I will find the peace my inner self is needing, hopefully sooner than later. He shares his travel to-do list. Japan, Patagonia, Italy, Egypt, Australia, Antarctica, and so much more. And says if he comes to Oslo, let's grab a beer. Yes, I am down, Michael. Thank you so much for the email, and congratulations on your 50th estate. And the thing I wanted to highlight here is that priority. He said, now that's my priority for my career. He's prioritizing travel. And that's the one word that can really help you live a life of travel. Prioritize. Prioritize travel. Prioritize it. I guess that's two words. Prioritize it. But you get the idea. Make it a priority. And that might sound silly and simple on the surface, but I'm telling you, every time I've Prioritize travel in my life. I have filled my life up with travel. That's really the thing that allowed me to keep doing it because it was the number one thing that I built my life around. So even if you have a career that you enjoy and you love, or that you're on some kind of track you don't want to get off, you can do what Michael's doing, where he's saying, Okay, well, I have this career, but I can prioritize travel within my career. So there's always some way to put it at the top of that priority list. So you might be listening and travel is already on your priority list at the very top. Well, cool. Keep on rocking on. But if you're listening and you're like, you know what? This is sort of subtly, slowly shifted to like number two or three or 10 on this list. And I don't know why, because I love travel. Maybe I should bump this back up to the top. Now is your opportunity to take a little... Time to reflect. Take a moment and just mentally—you can close your eyes and do this. Just like mentally, look at your priority list and just like, just kind of shoot, slide that travel all the way up to the top there. Big highlights in pink or yellow or whatever, stars and hearts and unicorns around it. All good. It's right there at the top. You see it now. I know you visually see it. There you go. Now make your decisions based on that. It's that simple. All right. I'm gonna let you go. I'll leave you with this quote. Michael mentioned trying to find some peace (laughs) with his inner self. And I wanted to leave you with this quote from the Dalai Lama to wrap things up. Quote, we can never obtain peace in the outer world until we make peace with ourselves. There you go. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, night, whatever it is for you. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. Thanks so much.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.